Welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Rosemary Carminati about how she empowers entrepreneurs to live their fullest lives. Rosemary is an international speaker and elite mentorship trainer with the Peter Sage School. She facilitates several proven and sustainable personal professional development programs and masterclasses. She is dedicated to helping her clients transition through career changes or retirement with reignited purpose and renewed vitality. She incorporates her background as a personal trainer and yoga teacher into all of her programs. With her 30 plus years of experience in corporate sales, she also has a deep understanding of the entrepreneurial perspective. Welcome, Rosemary. Thank you so much, Virginia. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. So it's it seems an interesting route in my mind, kind of how you like the fitness yoga background and then here you are helping people through major life changes. But how did you get to where you are today? It's funny you say that because my children, when they were growing up, now they're 30 and 32, they used to say that I was Forrest Gump because I do have a tendency to, um, I take opportunities and I make the best of them. And at, when I got out of college, I started my sales career. That wasn't something I expected. I was going into pre-law. I was going to be an attorney and that's the direction I was headed. And one thing led to another and these fabulous sales jobs were presented to me with very good money and perks. And it's kind of hard to say no when you're in your 20s. And I worked for decades in sales from working for a liquor distributor and a food distributor, which my boyfriend and now husband absolutely loved. I mean, I always say he fell in love with me because <laughs> Captain Morgan and this filet mignons. Then I went, uh, I went into media sales, advertising, newspaper, radio, and all those wonderful commodities. And it was, uh, oh gosh, about 20 years into it, 15 years into it, that I also decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had grown up with a family of entrepreneurs. We had a family business. And so we knew the Friday and Saturdays and whenever your clients need you, we knew customer service, we knew accounts receivable, you know, and I had the itch to do that. And that's when I got into personal training and a yoga teacher and opened up my own business. I unfortunately could only do that for maybe about 10, 10, 12 years. Um, the timeline, I'm not quite sure of, I would have to look at. But what, what happened was then I ended up with some physical limitations and some surgeries and that kind of put that on the sideline. And then also I had some family crisis that I was going through that lasted well over a decade. So the corporate sales kind of got put on hold. And while I was in that holding pattern with the yoga and the personal training and couldn't get in and out of my car physically, it was just a whole mess. I mean, I was actually with a cane and a wheelchair and, yeah. And I had a lot of time to think and a lot of introspection. And, you know, often people say it happens later on in life, but I was in my 40s and you know what am I going to do with the rest of my life what do I want what is my purpose my mission and I started taking quite a few self-development courses absolutely loving them recognizing a lot of changes in myself and then it's almost three years ago I was on one of those massive summits that they have with you know gosh Les Brown and Bob Proctor and everybody else that all the, the people in the industry know the names. And there was a gentleman that came on 
And I was ready to just, you know, start washing the dishes or doing something else. And his name was Peter Sage. And it's as if he reached out through the Zoom lens, through the camera and pulled me in. What he was saying was what I was thinking. He was putting words to my thoughts, his analogies, his his perspective. And so I started taking some of his programs. And about six months into one of his programs, I was approached and um, asked that they were starting a pilot, a pilot program of trainers. And I was asked if I would like to be one of those first trainers. And if you don't know who Peter Sage is, He's been in the business of human behavior and personal and professional development for 30 years. And 15 of those years, he was a trainer for the one and only Tony Robbins. So when you hear Tony Robbins, then people go, oh, okay, now, all right, now I kind of know maybe who this person is. And I've been doing that now. It's about a year and a half and absolutely loving it. And I always try to explain to people that I'm not a coach. I'm a trainer. I facilitate Peter Sage programs. So I have a lot of wisdom, a lot of experience, but I didn't have 30 years in the human behavior and professional and personal development industry. So it's not my program. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I've practiced it. I've experienced it and I know it inside and out. So I I say it's often very similar to if I was a college professor. And I had my books that I go in and I guide my students. Okay. So who would you say is your ideal avatar? My ideal avatar, it's it's absolutely kind of remarkable. And I think you probably hear this from a lot of people. It's very much in the same age range that I am. My ideal avatar is a senior level or mid-level executive that's either transitioning through career changes, quite often imposed career changes, especially since COVID, or they're preparing for or or already in retirement. And what I have found, because I did a lot of interviews and research when I was deciding on what my niche was going to be, I found a lot of retirees that had these wonderful, grandiose ideas of, you know, vacation for the rest of their life. They're going to retire and they talk to their financial planner and they talk to their Medicare specialist and they talk to their travel agent and their insurance and where they're going to live and so on. And they don't look at their psychological needs and what happens in retirement after that year of Shangri-La is over. So this has become a compelling message for me is that I'm reaching out to those folks that are, I call it rudderless in retirement. And they, they have shown research that having a purpose in retirement can add up to seven years to your longevity and seven good years too. Yeah, it makes a difference. And it's interesting too, like how fast someone can decline just without that purpose, like just their yes. health and mental state. I have friends that are younger than me. I'm proud to say I'm 61 and I have friends that are 55, 60, and they already have one foot inching towards the grave of all the list of things they can't do anymore. And, oh, you know, what are we going to watch on Netflix? Well, there's nothing to do. And, you know, or they've lost their purpose because their job was their identity in their life. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks, especially in our society, 
that that's where they come from. Their significance, their certainty, some of those psychological basic needs are not being fulfilled anymore. Yeah. They have nothing to look forward to, right? Mm -hmm. No. So how do you get in front of those people? Well, by doing things like this, I, I do presentations for corporations and organizations, associations, podcast interviews, YouTube. I as, am especially fond of a lot of the networking I've, I've been doing for years. And I used to do networking mostly in person. So now this is a whole different, you know, uh, a whole different avenue for me that I've finally gotten used to. But collaborations are a big one, too. I'm working with as I said, when I was talking about um, the retirees, the financial planners, they have the same ideal client that I'm looking for. They're already talking to them. And so I am working with some of them. I have a woman that have become good friends with named Medicare Maven. Again, she's talking to them about those issues. Well, let's look at the whole picture of what's going to happen when you retire and prepare for it now mm -hmm. so that the rug won't be pulled out from underneath you. And I have a client, actually, that I've known for several years, and he and I have been talking about this, and he addressed it before he retired. And so now he runs a charitable organization. He gets a lot of his basic psychological needs for certainty and for significance and for growth and contribution. He gets that all from what he's doing with his charity. Cool. And there are a lot of people finding those things, but there are a lot of people drifting aimlessly. I call them sleepwalkers. And those just don't have to be retirees either. Because no. <laughs> there's plenty of people in the world now that are just living unconsciously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what are a couple big goals that you're hoping to achieve in the next year or two? Well, for me, the most important thing is for me to get my message out. I am finding that it's almost compelling that I share it you know, to, to the point where when I'm around family and friends and they already know, I just have to, you know, as things come up that really spark what I want to say. And I think, no, okay, I'll save that for another time. But um, <laughs> my, my big goals are to grow my program. My program consists of a seven hour simple program all the way up to six months. Well, I want to be sharing that globally. I already have clients from Romania and Greece and Canada from well, you're from Canada, right? I am. Yes, yes. So I have them and I want to we at the Peter Sager group too, we feel this need, especially with the way the world is now, to share this, this unconditional love, acceptance, raising the significance of others, and self-love as well. And so for me to get the message out, to be on bigger stages. TEDx is not out of the picture. A book is not out of the picture. I've already been kind of been pushed in that direction because of my uh, Forrest Gump life. So, <laughs> so those are my big goals and I definitely see them happening. So how would it affect your business? The message will be out there so that there will be more people. I want to say, let's put it this way. There'll be less people that I feel will be suffering unnecessarily. That's mm. what I think the key to all this is. It is so simple. When we break it down into simple things like living authentically. I mean, some of the best advice I got when I was young was live authentically. Don't worry about what other people think about you. Don't worry about falling down. You can get up, you know, brush yourself off, get up again, but live within what your values I mean, I found I find people so often 
I bump into that I know very well. And what they're saying is not what they really feel inside. So to live authentically to me, that was something that my mother said, my grandmother said, many mentors over the years. And what I advise a lot of my clients too, besides living authentically, is to say yes to some things and say no to others. And when I say yes, I mean yes to the now, yes to doing it no matter what. I mean, to me, I've adopted an attitude that no matter what, I'm saying yes to opportunities and challenges, and I'll figure out the details on how to do it later. And I'm saying yes to experiencing the joy that's in life every day and not being just an observer. Hmm. And I tell my clients to say no to the fear of failure, to the waiting for the perfection before they take action and say no to the people that are the dream stealers, the black clouds in your life, the people that are naysayers. And I find that's very important when we run our businesses is the environment we're in. Yeah. Everyone has an opinion, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> some are helpful, some not so much. So I know that you're pretty optimistic and stuff, but what would you say would be the number one roadblock that would be holding you back from reaching those goals? Hmm. And this is a tough one for me because I really, I'm, one of those people that it used to be, I felt I could do it all on, you know, do it on my own, that, that, that my, my consciousness, my level of consciousness was that if I was determined, I could do it and it was going to be done by me. And that's exhausting. It can be very exhausting to be successful, but do it all by yourself. And instead, what I do now is I have a philosophy of many people say it, trust the process do the work and trust the process. So I let go of the details. So to say that I have roadblocks, there are opportunities, maybe there are challenges or things that I haven't come across yet, but I have faith that whatever that is, I'll find a way. I will just trust the, the flow. If it's taking me to the left and I thought it should be to the right, I'll go to the left. To a certain degree, obviously, if it's <laughs> way too risky or, but, you know, I've learned a long time ago that my best laid plans were usually not very good for me, or they would take too much effort and too much time to get to a place where I could have just let it go. And the opportunities came in. Mm -hmm. You have like a little saying or whatever about putting the pro in procrastination. Oh, yes. Well, I do. A, I do several presentations and, and these are the, the ones that I do for corporations because I have a whole bunch of, as we would say in the industry, woo woo. I mean, I talk about quantum theory and quantum mechanics and ruling reality and a lot of corporations, they just want to know what's the bottom line, what's going to make my people more productive. So I do a presentation about do you put the pro in procrastination? And I, I Actually, it's amazing to me how many intelligent people procrastinate. I mean, if you think about how many people that you know are really motivated and should be so, so successful, and yet they self-sabotage. Or how many opportunities. I know I can say this in, in the past. I've had opportunities and experiences that ended up just keeping me in the same income level or the same level of success. I just learned a new way to make the same amount of money. 
And yet there's people out there that don't have the opportunities or the resources. And against all odds, they make some magic. You know, so I I help my clients identify some of those obstacles, some of the reasons people procrastinate. And a lot of them are well known. I mean, your your poor self-image. If you're afraid that people are going to think badly of you, so you kind of put it off and you don't make that phone call. You sound stupid when you pick up the phone and oh my gosh, just the amount of time wasted on that. But that comes from early childhood younger years before our neocortex is formed and we can't have rational decision-making and thinking. And many of us have been in the environments where we were told we were stupid or we couldn't amount to anything and things like that. So I work with my clients to go back into some of that stuff and let's, let's address our gifts, our value, our talents. I mean, and the other thing that uh, people procrastinate quite often is because it's a habit. So, I mean, 95% of what we do is unconscious. So it, I, I like to think of, let's say, how often have you driven someplace and you don't remember the last two miles? Or you've Every gone time to you work, return home. <laughs> yeah. Or you've driven to work on your day off. You know, and these are just unconscious habits. So that's one of the key factors that contributes and also your environment. I can't say enough about environment, as I said about the soul suckers and the the dream stealers. But also imagine if you're hanging around with nine fast food junkies and you want to eat healthy. Well, chances are pretty soon you're going to be the 10th. So looking at your environment can also make a big difference in what you're doing with your life professionally and personally and procrastinating. And I help my clients to take, to, to look at, first of all, putting the right things in. We are live in a world now that there is so much available for self-development and for broadening our horizons and understanding ourselves. And also to take things out Take out, again, the peer group. I can't say that one more time. Take out the social media and the mainstream media. So much of it that is putting us in fear or damaging our self-esteem, feeling less than, feeling that scarcity mentality because they have the abundance. They're on all those trips and I can't go there and I can't do this and I won't be happy until. That's the other thing I tell my clients all the time. We never run out of now. And if you're waiting to be happy, I'm going to be happy when I lose five pounds. I'm going to be happy when I find my soulmate. I'm going to be happy when I get that perfect job. There's a lot of days that you're not enjoying and, and having a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. So procrastination is a huge one. And I don't think there's too many companies or entrepreneurs that can say that they haven't struggled with that at one point or another in their lives. Right. <laughs> But I was going to write a book about that, but I'll do that tomorrow. Ha ha, that's an old joke. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the best advice that you have ever received is? Well, besides authentic authenticity and saying yes and no, my mother used to have a saying that I absolutely love, consider the source. And I used to say that to my kids all the time, but I would kind of rephrase it. So it's, it's, it's having empathy. It's being in someone else's shoes. But I also have a philosophy that there, 
I don't know anyone that is living a happy life that can be mean or miserable to another person. So when my kids would come home from school and say somebody picked on them, and I'd say, well, let's think about it. Do you think he was happy? And you flip and you just change your perspective and you start accepting and having less judgment and then not taking it personally. I don't know if you've read the four agreements, but absolutely love that book. And one of them is not to take things personally. The other one is don't make assumptions and then be impeccable with your words. That's a tough one. And with my motor mouth, I tend to go very fast. So sometimes I have to slow down and say, okay, choose your words. Be impeccable with your words. Don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions. And one of my favorites that I have used, oh gosh, when I used to teach fitness classes and yoga classes and gosh, in the days of step aerobics, I don't even know if you're old <laughs> enough to know, there used to be this thing called step aerobics. With and leg warmers? <laughs> oh, and 10 inches, the risers, you have to higher and higher and higher. Let's really do some damage to our hips and knees. But anyway, I one time, let's see, one time I had a, a broken foot, another time strep throat, you know, other things like that. But I kept one of those four agreements deep in my heart. And I still do to this day. And that fourth one that I haven't mentioned is be the best you can be in the moment. So not that I'm wow, I taught a class now. I was the best instructor ever, ever for that class. No, I gave them the absolute best that I could be at that moment of that day. I didn't beat myself up because it wasn't as good as the day before, but I knew that I was giving it my all. Yeah. And that's the important thing, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. But too many people either compare mm -hmm. or they, they, compete with themselves and you're going to have ebb and flow in your career. And there's going to be times when it's just gangbusters and everything seems to be flowing and all is coming in and it's just abundant and joyous. And then there are other times where there are those obstacles, those things with the, again, in that river of life, that boulder that's in the middle. And it's okay because another saying that we have in Sage is if not this something better, and that's, a common saying. I mean, there's so many things that you just have to roll with it and let it go and not, not expect that, you know, this, this is a reflection on me as well. So this isn't in part of my control. Again, another thing that I love is the serenity prayer. And I go back to that one when I have a very big decision and it's so simple, accept the things I cannot change, have the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference and how many people are banging their heads against a wall, trying to control something they can't change. And you find that in business all the time too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think the best advice you've ever re um, given? Sorry. The best advice you've ever given is. Oh gosh. There's a lot of stuff that I say. <laughs> I think one of the best things that I tell people, and I find that it has a ripple effect. I have friends and family that over the years have said, you know, when you're not around, I, I can sometimes get into a funk. So I, I feel that, oh, and I have to remember to read my identity statement, but I feel that, that, oh, I know. 
when I get up every day in the mirror, I have affirmations. I have an oath of abundance. and I have other things that I say because I do believe in rewiring our brain. And if you know anything about Dr. Joe Dispenza, you read some of his, take some of his classes. There is scientific research to back it up. But I talk to the mirror in the morning and I say, today is my favorite day and I'm going to squeeze every drop of life out of it. So my best advice is this is, you know, this is your earthly life that you're in. This is the movie that you're the star of. So you know what? The proverbial is going to hit the fan. So take it as it comes. Get the lesson that you're supposed to learn from it. And maybe it's making you a better person because of it. Have the gratitude for what you learn from it, too. You know, even if it's a horrible experience, if you dig deep down and look at some of the repercussions from that event, you can find some gr- gratitude in that. Mm-hmm. So th- I'd say that's my advice is that just, you know, enjoy every day. But it's Maybe a present, not- right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's cliche. But no, I I know um, one of the things that I wanted to say was because I, I usually, when someone does my my bio and they introduce me, I also say that, I have an identity statement that changes and sometimes I tweak it here and there and it has changed in my life many times. That's another thing people are dealing with today is identity crisis. There's people that just don't know where they belong and what they want to do. So again, with the purpose, but my identity statement is I am an inspiring and vibrant mentor and distributor of hope who spreads wisdom and celebrates uniqueness and growth by empowering others to reinvent themselves and ignite their potential. I could just That's see someone, yeah. I could just see you meeting someone like at a party and they're like, so what do you do? And you're like, you read that, like you, <laughs> <to them. laughs> I just, I help you live the best life you can. And, and for those folks that are my age, that again, I said that are, are, are limiting themselves and saying, well, I guess all the fun is over and I guess I'm getting old. I'm redefining aging and I'm saying, let's be the best version of ourselves and have the best life for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not that hard because we have the control. We're the masters of our own emotions. Nobody has to tell you how you're going to feel about something. You get to choose that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard not to be influenced. <laughs> well, and it takes work and practice. That's why there's people like me in the world that, you know, have to, you have to retrain sometimes some of all of those bad. Oh my gosh. The labels. When we talk about identities, when I do an identity exercise with my clients, oh, the labels that have been imposed on people. And some that they don't even realize they had and they forgot how they got it. And it doesn't even really reflect on who they are, but they're so used to feeling that that's who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow. You know, you know, and the old life's too short is so true. So, <laughs> yeah, let's get rid of what doesn't serve us. <laughs> yes. And, and look to your mentors and your environment and the people. I mean, it was a Jim Rohn that said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh so gosh, look to God. those 
Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm past that phase, but I, now it's my grandsons. So yeah, I don't get to spend as much time as I'd like, but you know, if, if you start to look around at who you're spending a lot of your time with and decide, you know, what, what do I want? Uh, what are my values? What is my purpose? And sometimes I found that I've had clients that come to me and say, my relationships are changing. Oftentimes for the better, but sometimes not so much because the person, the partner, or the, you know, the best friend doesn't like that because they like the person that was the negative or, you know, someone that enabled their bad habits. And, and when you start to transform your own life, there's a ripple effect sometimes that is very good. And other times it brings a big spotlight into some of those things that might have been big gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being with us today, Rosemary. Oh, I had a blast. Good. (laughs) Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to? Probably not, except that um, as I was talking about peer groups and how they influence us and the environment and conforming to our environment, I do have a free program available to your listeners. And I did say the magic word free. It is self-study and um, self-time. So you can, I've got people that have taken it in the allotted five days. They recommend one video per day with the worksheet that goes along with it. Some people, the overachievers, do it all in one day. I used to be one of those. It's, again, exhausting. Other people take a little bit longer. But the program is free. The self-study is free. And I also have a once a week Zoom community call that people get on here, there, you know, it depends on you might have just done the second part of it or you finished it or you just started it and you can just come on to discuss it. And what it does is it looks it's a challenge. And through the exercises, you're looking at assessing who you're spending your time with. Who do you want to spend your time with? I mean, how often do we do we maybe lower our our expectations of, oh, gee, he's very successful in business. He probably won't talk to me. You know, I mean, let's start broadening our horizons and look to some actual physical people that could be your mentor, help you connect, collaborate. And also it's to help you weed out. I I say you assess your group, the people that you hang around with, you assess, then you weed out and seek out. And it is amazing. It's it's a great foundation, especially this time of year, people with their resolutions and I'm going to do things differently. Well, this is a big part of how you get things done in life is the people that you spend most of your time with. I have a program and it will be in the show notes how to get a hold of it. I, I send it out to you. I'm there if you have questions and I'm there every Thursday night. And other than that, there's no obligations. I'm just trying to give people a simple way to start looking at their lives just a little bit differently. Well, thank you for that. Thank you. Where can we go to find out more about you and what you do? Well, my website, which is yourtransformationtrainer.com, and I'm sure this will be in the show notes. My LinkedIn page, my Facebook page, my Facebook is mostly social and travel. But uh, my LinkedIn, 
you can connect me with me there. Uh, I'll put my calendar in the link too. If you really you see when when I work with clients, my first and main goal is to connect with them and do, you know, almost like what I did when I was a personal trainer, an assessment. I call it a discovery. Any way you want to look at it, it's what are they looking for in life? Where do they feel that there's holes or gaps or places where they don't feel fulfilled? Then I tell them about what I have and is it a fit? Is it not? You know, we 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 have a good discussion about what might be the next step for them. Awesome. So it's all personalized, tailored. Yes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Fun. And the program itself, I do have to say, they are through Peter, Peter Sage, their actual videotapes and workbooks. But I have a once a week community call with my clients in the program. And, and then there's a Q&A uh, call. And they also have an alumni group that comes out of all of these programs. And we have hundreds of alumni from this group all over the world. Then we still connect from all That's over fun. the world. Yes. So it's the thing is when you do programs quite often, you do a weekend or you do a week long, you jack down all those fabulous ideas and you really go get them, you know, the first couple of weeks. And then three weeks later, you're looking at your notes and you don't remember what that meant or you've gotten into your bad habits. So by doing the six month program, having the community and then also having an alumni so alumni group, it just keeps you involved so that you don't forget the lessons that you learned and you don't start slipping into those old patterns. Which is key. <laughs> well, thank you again for being with us. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this, Virginia. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, you take care and we'll chat soon. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review. And I'll catch you on the next episode.